We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andres Hale. It is going to be a fun show because from start to finish, it is all combat sports today. So much to recap. We're starting off by talking about WWE Clash of Champions, the highs, the lows, the weird shit in between. Then, of course, we have to recap UFC 253 that occurred over the weekend and talk about the Chavez and Chavez fight that was on the zone. Charlo Bros putting together good performances on their pay-per-view and Mayweather versus Pacquiao, question mark. So all of that on the show today. It is stacked. Old man, it is great to sit down with you. We are recording this Sunday night, so Clash of Champions just finished. So let's start there. It just went off air, putting you on the spot. What's your grade for the show? Mm, C plus. You're tough. Yeah, because it, it, it was a bookend show. The first match was amazing, and the last match was amazing. Everything else in between sucked. Well, that says how much you really liked the first and the last match. To give it a C plus, almost a B. Yeah, because the, the latter match was excellent. 
And Jimmy and uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Jay and Roman. <laughs> Don't do that. You just interviewed the man. Don't I know, call right, him Jimmy? <laughs> <laughs> but man, like that match. Like we'll get to it, but that match was some excellent storytelling. Unbelievable. Probably some of the best storytelling they've done in a match ever. Um, definitely since uh, Kofi Mania. Even Kofi Mania, like that was a match between Daniel and Kofi that was just a really good wrestling match. This, like, you could tell that these were two. We might as well start with the main event, right? All right. <laughs> you you could tell that these two were familiar each, with each other, and the fact that they have grown up together and gone through this business together and the family history all played a role into this match, and they told a story excellently. And then on top of all that, you had two things that were. Beyond wrestling, Roman's bars, Roman had bars. This man had hip-hop quotables in this match. And Jay's selling were unreal. Like, there's people that wrestle each other and they are familiar with one another and they're able to put together really good matches. But this, the chemistry between these two and, like, the wrestling acting aspect of it was so good. I don't know where this ends, even though... For those of you who didn't read my interview with Jay Uso, I interviewed Jay on Thursday, and I asked him, "Could there be a possibility of a Roman Reigns and Uso's faction, regardless of what happens on Sunday night?" And I will, I will tell you this up front: Jay Uso is not a guy who kayfabes interviews. He is like, like we, he was cussing. Like we talked for a while. We were talking about the <laughs> Vegas Heat. We were just talking about like we were just talking, and he was like, "Hell yeah!" He was like, "I could." He's like, I, "We used to fight all the time." So it. He's like, I could whoop his ass on Sunday, and we had breakfast on Monday, and we were a team on Friday. So, I think the way this match played out, there's a distinct possibility that they could still form a faction and be the Samoan Swap Team 2.0. That, that, that was both of our ideas for the name. Samoan Swap Team 2.0, then he came up with the, uh, what was it, the Samoan Gangsters from uh, ECW and WCW. And I was like, hmm. But this match, that match was, I mean, that match was unbelievable. That match was great. Yeah, start to finish. I mean, it started with Roman coming out shirtless. No more vest on Roman. It just it made him look like he was all business. There's still something to the ambiance of having Paul Heyman with you. And I'm not sure why. Because Paul's not even really talking as much as he did for Lesnar. But, he's just there. Yeah, he's there. But that mystique... Of having Paul just hold the belt, like it seems like Roman's just too big for the little shit. So Paul's there to do the little shit. It adds so much. Uh, the veneers add so much. He looks like a <laughs> he looks like a movie villain. Yeah, with the does. giant chompers, they're just way too white. That's some real villainous shit. When you go out, just spend the bag, get your feet, your teeth fixed. So I really like that the whole entrance was great jay came out with the with the lay on because you knew it was like okay it's family who's the head of the family he came out like they the big flower lay like okay they're really taking this to like tribal stuff and it's great not to jump all the way to the end of the match but when you jump at the end roman has paul Heyman put the lay on him and it's that transfer of power that recognition like yes uh, we go through the match. Yes, you are the chief. You are the head of this family. So I, I thought it was well played throughout. The wrestling in it was really good. 
Yeah. Jay had his moments where he went crazy, like he was taking a hot tag. You know, he did just enough offense against Roman, but Roman handled it perfectly because he was never really hurt. He was always just pissed off. It always looked like he was just annoyed every time Jay got offense in and hit him and came back and beat his ass even more. Dude, this... I was concerned because this was the match I was looking forward to the most by far because the storytelling in, what was it, four weeks' time was unbelievable because the one thing was we didn't expect that this would be the match for Clash of Champions. When Roman Reigns came back, nobody expected this. We thought he was going to either run it back with The Fiend or Braun Strowman, which both of them were nowhere to be found. Well, Braun is on Raw Underground, but (laughs) (laughs) whatever. The Fiend has a program. He's an auxiliary character. Yeah. It's a program. So, Which they also did very well, by the way, on SmackDown. Roman, when he beat the hell out of Jay on SmackDown, Alexa Bliss is rambling in the background because her match finished. And you can see her mean mugging the shit out of Roman. So you, you get that, like, yo, the fiend still doesn't like you type shit. The little, the little details in this whole feud and the buildup were the best parts. Yeah. So, again, the match itself was great. Um, I'm curious where they go from here because it seems like this is done in the sense of they don't need to wrestle again um, and Roman will move on to something else. But the next pay-per-view is Hell in a Cell. And I've always hated the WWE shoehorning these themed pay-per-views and they're just going to have a Hell in a Cell match for the hell of it. Now, we know what the main Hell in a Cell match is probably going to be and we'll get to that in a second. But it seems like... Where what do you do with Roman in this situation? And I'm not saying this is a bad thing because I think everything with Roman and Jay has been incredible. I will sidebar with this: the fact that the WWE has had this version of Roman Reigns for this long, because even when he started with the Shield, because they were heels, he was always a stoic, arrogant prick in the Shield. Dean Ambrose was the talker, Seth Rollins was the the freak athlete, and Roman was the muscle. They've always had this guy, but when they broke him up, they decided to go with Roman as a babyface and for years try to force him down our throats with him smiling and then the ooh-ah and all this other bullshit. This character has been here the entire time. And there's a lot of people that are going, I told you about Roman Reigns. Motherfucker, we knew about Roman Reigns. We just never liked how it was being played. Yep. They, they had chances. Like, there was the time in the Rumble where he did eliminate everyone, and it was like, okay, he could win this. He didn't win it, and then they made him win it, like, the next three years in a row when the timing wasn't right. Um, he's He came back from cancer. Like, yes, if you want him to be a babyface, you can kind of make that work. And they fumbled that. So they fumbled it a lot along the way. But like you said, the talent was there. Tons of people, when they leave the company, they've done shoot interviews. I'm, Chris Jericho did one on his podcast where he's just like, no, Roman is that guy. He is the top guy in that company. They're just not allowing him to be himself. Right. Kaz said it on this show when Kaz came and we had him on after he left. Roman is the guy in the locker room. He is the person people lean on. He He's the leader. He has all this charisma. He's all it. They didn't allow him to show it. Now the wheels are off. Like, they took the training wheels off and said, fuck it, let's try something. Yeah. this. I mean, this is so easy. And after this, it's like, he, and the thing is, it's just like the Usos, right? I was talking to Jay, and I was like, listen, the day that you guys turned here, was there any pushback? And he was like, no. Um, it was just kind of a natural progression because we were teaming with Roman, and Roman was getting booed, so it only made sense for us to turn heel. But when we turned heel is when our personalities came out. And if you ask anybody about the Usos, 
Nobody talks about the old Usos anymore. Everybody talks about this version. <laughs> yeah, Uso Penitentiary version. Yeah, and I think that's that could be the case with Roman Reigns because what ends up happening, just like what Jay was telling me, is that they liked us so much that we ended up having to turn back babyface. The best version of us was the real version of us. And I think that was the same case with Roman. You keep him healed, but if this version is the best version of Roman Reigns, a natural turn back babyface will be accepted as long as it's just not forced down our throats. But this was the, the right way to handle it. You fight your cousin. Uh, your other cousin, Jimmy, comes out. Where he's, you know, he wants to throw in the towel. He's limping to the ring. And he, he's just like, why are you doing this? Like, man, everything, this hit all the right notes. And I rarely say that about WWE main events, but this one hit all of the right notes. I agree. Shout out to the commentary team as well. That, you know, commentary is up and down. Yeah. A lot. They hit the marks on this main event. And I love how they left They left the pay-per-view saying, if he does this to his family, if he does this to his blood, what is he going to do to everyone else? Yeah. And that's the point that needs to be made. He showed it in ring. That's the story they were telling. Commentary hit that mark on the head. And it was perfect. Well done. So, great main event. doesn't even matter where Roman goes after this. Um, I would like to see him in another feud he can dominate. It's just the problem is, and we'll go through the card right now, is they don't build enough people on the mid-card to justifiably challenge the champions. Yeah. So well, fortunately. Right now, the champions are great. We have a draft coming up. So that helps. That could be good or bad. Yeah, I I would love to see Roman take that universal title to Raw. I feel like Drew's done everything he can on Raw. Hopefully, and we'll, that's the next match we're going to talk about, but Drew would be great to go to SmackDown. New feuds for both the Drews, the wrestler's wrestler, Paul Heyman, Roman Reigns, that character on the flagship show that is Raw, I think works there as well. I don't. Here's Ooh, why. I, I think Roman is built for Fox. You bring people to Roman, you bring people to Drew. You don't need them to switch brands. Okay. So, I, I, that's, it's Fox. Paul Heyman just seems, you know, he feels. Again, Roman, this is a great character change. I still carry my mindset, even though SmackDown's on Fox now, the mindset of SmackDown's the wrestling show. And Raw is the big character show. So it's one of those things where, and I think this version of Roman can give everyone the smoke. Babyface, heel, whatever. I think he's the big boss at the end of the tunnel. So him versus Seth is a great program in this iteration. Seth needs something new, too. That Mysterio shit is played out. <laughs> a lot of shit way, is played out. Way overdue. I, I think you have Kevin Owens over there who can carry a really good program with Roman. There's options. So I, I think more so on that side than on SmackDown. But we'll see. You mentioned the draft. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, and we'll talk about that, I guess, on future episodes right before it happens. The next match, Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton. 21 minutes long ambulance match. It felt like 50. And if I there was some questionable matches and weird shit during this night to me. Due to the talent of both men and how good this feud started out being, this was probably the worst match of the night, in my opinion. Dude, I hated this match. 
I, like I hated every aspect of this match. For, and this it's a very simple reason. This was the story of Randy Orton's comeuppance. Well, the people comeuppance on Randy Orton. Yep. That was the narrative that was being played here. With everybody but Edge, which I was kind of surprised he didn't show up. Maybe still on the shelf for a while. Whatever. But the issue is, Drew McIntyre beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. And has been booked like a savage since then. Bobby Lashley, uh, Dolph Ziggler, even the first Orton match. He's been booked like a true superhero then we go to this match with randy orton an ambulance match for a few that's kind of peppered out in because of keith lee strangely enough keith lee's been more the center of this feud has been the glue to keep this feud together than these two yep. because of the fractured jaw stuff which was really dumb and contrived but whatever but then you have this match and it's an ambulance match which means oh they're gonna blow this match off this is the, the final match and drew gets help against randy orton from the Big Show, from Christian, Ric Flair drives the ambulance. Who am I missing? Um, Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels, super kick. So there are people like, well, they're trying to tell a story. Yes, I get that, but there's better ways to do it because it makes Drew McIntyre look weak. It looks like he needs help because what ends up happening throughout the match is somebody interferes, Drew gets a leg up, and then Orton just comes roaring back. RKO, punt kick. Like, every time, they, like, there's no reason why the interference had happened and then Drew is still working his way back from up from under. That's ridiculous. The man was built like a monster against Lesnar. The man was, he crushed Dolph Ziggler with that kip up uh, Claymore. And he's doing this? Look, there's another way to get here. And you could have done it at the end of the match. You could have done it anywhere. But it, to do it so early in the match sets a tone that, oh, Drew needs help to win this match. He can't do it by himself. I hated this. For that reason. Because it wasn't about Drew, it was about Randy. No, I agree. It did nothing to further or build your champion. On a pay-per-view that is Clash of the Champions. If anything, it should be focused on your champions and furthering that narrative. And then now it just makes me feel like Orton's going to come cut a promo and say, you needed all of those people to beat me. And you still, still barely did it. Now we have to do hell in the cell to keep people out. No, I think they're done. I think Orton's going to be off. Well, I hope. You never know with WWE. I think they're going to write Orton off of TV for a little while because of this. You never know with Raw. How about yeah, you, that? You never know. You never. It, people, like, we'll get to it. People come back way too quick. But when, again, when there's a million run-ins before a hell in the cell pay-per-view, I always think that's the reason. Yeah, no, I I feel you 100%. But that makes it even worse. Like at the end of the oh, match I'm rooting I'm rooting worse. Yeah, I'm like at the end of the match I'm rooting for Randy Orton. I was like, "Well, shit, man, you didn't overcame this much. Go ahead and win the title now. Fuck it." <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. It did nothing to help Drew at all. And then I thought Drew kind of looked badass and for a second I was like, "Is this a double turn that they're trying to pull off maybe before the draft? Maybe Randy, you know, goes in some type of big face. Who knows?" Or you just give you know, McIntyre and Edge on a double turn. But then, no. He waves to the crowd. He points the belt. He winks. And I'm just like, this whole shit made no sense. It was dumb, man. It yeah. was it was, it was, was, it, was it the worst match of the night? Because the match itself wasn't bad. It was just it was, the, the way they handled it. The booking was bad. And that's why. Because they had the potential to do it so much better. Yeah, you're they, right. They filled it with unnecessary shit. Yeah, you're right. You could have cut six minutes off of that had him punt kick Randy Orton no run-ins the punt kick is a good enough story 
that's that's getting your vengeance as a baby face. That's good. Not people helping you cheat throughout the way. Four people. The big show came back. Where the fuck has the big show been? Like I didn't need all that. It was Nobody. it was crazy. It was ridiculous. So next match to talk about Asuka versus Bailey. Asuka wins the match by DQ. Belt doesn't change hands. This happens because Bailey's opponent um, couldn't make the fights. Cool health reasons. Uh, WWE didn't release the exact reasons why. Whatever. COVID. It's COVID. It's COVID. It's COVID. It's COVID. WWE is the only company that won't say anybody has COVID. It's COVID. <laughs> so, Bailey comes out talking shit. Asuka runs in. This was okay to me. Again, it was only four minutes. Not bad. Made sense. Asuka was Bailey's opponent before, her last opponent. So there's still a little bit of unfinished business there. Sasha had helped Bailey win anyway. So Asuka coming in, I thought was really cool. And then Bailey still shows her mean streak. Obviously, Asuka had a match before this, which we'll talk about, um, that couldn't really leave her in full form to beat Bailey. That would seem odd. So I think they handled it as good as possible. You then did not like the aftermath of this match. Hell no. Look, man. What was it? Three weeks ago? Three about three or four weeks ago? Yeah, about four weeks. I mean, a month. month. Yeah, about a month ago. That's not bad. Bailey turns on Sasha. Yep. And crushes her neck. And what was it? Her leg too, right? It's like a double yeah. injury. And then Sasha does an interview, and then injured in a neck brace. And Bailey shows up and cracks her with a chair and decimates her again. <laughs> yeah. Two weeks later, she's back. Now here's the bigger issue with this. Remember when Drew McIntyre trying to come back from a fractured jaw? And Adam Pearce was like, no, 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 you can't wrestle. You're not cleared to wrestle. But somehow they let Sasha Banks, who goddamn has a broken neck, into the building. Are you serious? I mean, she didn't wrestle. Again, Still. they announced, you know, it looks like her and Bailey at Hell in a Cell. <sighs> Hopefully not in Hell in a Cell. It'll be, it'll be, announced? dude, it'll be in a Hell in a Cell. There is, the fact that they brought Sasha back, the reason why they had this match to begin with, because it was all a vehicle to get Sasha back. So the yeah. reason why when Nikki Cross couldn't wrestle, they had to put somebody in this match. It was like, well, we'll just go to a DQ finish. That way we can get to the Sasha feud. It, it, they had to find somebody to put in this match. And they put Asuka in the match. They did the DQ finish, and then here comes Sasha. And I'm like, yo, you guys spent over a year prepping us for this breakup. And you're going to yeah. go right into a Hell in a Cell match first? You don't need to do that. I mean, they have the heat. I, it, it's weird because if I didn't want to see the blow off at WrestleMania, I'd have no problem with it. But this feels like a WrestleMania match. Dude, look, look. It feels like a major pay-per-view match. It feels like an injury angle where you keep somebody off a of TV for like two months to the point where you almost forget about them and then they come back. And then you're like, oh, shit, she's back, and she's back for vengeance. And usually that's like a Royal Rumble thing. But maybe they want to keep Sasha off TV that long. But, dude, four weeks? Like, in four weeks, she's been back twice. And this is now her, like, she's been back twice in four weeks from injuries. That's ridiculous. I mean, Bailey could just beat the shit out of her even worse. They say Sasha came back way too soon, and now she's out even longer. Come on, man. And then comes back in the Rumble. You know that's not going to happen. I'm just saying. You, but you that's know the best but, case scenario. But you know no. that's not going to happen. They're going to no, go no, right no. to a Hell in a Cell match. Yes, and then they'll fight five times. One being, you know, Sasha winning the Rumble 
and then they're fighting again for the sixth time at WrestleMania. And by then, we're like, we've seen this shit six times. They won't even go that far. Even though some of these other feuds on this card have gone extremely long, this one will run out of momentum way too soon. Because they've done so much with Sasha and Bailey over the years. And now you're getting to this point where it was a boiling point where Bailey turned on Sasha. And the only reason Bailey turned on Sasha is because they ran out of shit to do. And they were like, all right, we, we got to turn one of you. And like you have said, and I've said too, I didn't like Sasha going babyface. It's a hard sell. Sasha's not a great babyface. But alas, here we are. And the only way this gets like nuclear energy is if she comes back after some time. They gave her no time to be away. Like they could have ran the Nikki fe- feud, whatever. They could have even tried an Alexa Bliss Bailey feud with what they're doing with Alexa right now. Something to get your mind completely off of Sasha Banks. So by the time she comes back, you're like, yo, and then it's WrestleMania season. And, you know, it's like you put me on the shelf. You threaten my career. This doesn't feel like a career-threatening injury when you come back in two weeks. Yeah. No, it's very weird how they're handling it. We shall see how it ends up playing out. I don't know. There's there's a few ways to salvage it. Do I have faith that they do any of them? No. So, I mean, you, it's lofty. You can try to pull off the double turn. They won't. You, you, can, you, can you can't try, turn Bailey babyface. You can't. You can try to have Sasha beat her so bad that you're sympathetic to Bailey, and Bailey is now out until Rumble, and Bailey no. comes back as the babyface Bailey, no, which gives no. her time to grow her hair back. No, man. Um, Bailey's no, too I'm good saying, as a heel, man. Like it's they're it's, both good at heel. Like it makes no sense to have either of them as a baby face. Right, but you can't turn ba- Bailey back baby face. Like she just figured this heel shit out. Like she just got this right. It took her a yeah, while. Tough. So a, you a can't while. flip her. I mean, to be fair, Sasha helped a lot. She has. But the point See, is, is that Bailey you find pretty bad at it when Sasha did the oh you made us lose our titles. Fuck you. I'm going on a six month hiatus. And Bailey kind of sucked during that six months. And then Sasha came back, and then miraculously, Bailey got better. Yeah, but because they work well together. But Bailey's found her footing as a heel, so you can't turn her babyface. Sasha would be the one that's been done wrong here because Bailey's the longest running champion on SmackDown. There's so many angles here that you can work that you can't turn Bailey heel. God, but- I wish they would have just split them. Like, not turned anyone on anyone yet. You had a draft, even though I think maybe they pulled this draft just out of thin air. But if you had a sense that the draft was coming, just split them. They could have stayed friends, and you send Sasha to Raw. And then you just keep them away from each other. Sasuke versus Asuka for three months. Bailey versus whoever on SmackDown. And then, you know, you have Sasha win Royal Rumble or something and choose Bailey out of the blue. It could have been done a different way. That, dude, I don't they, I don't mind. They definitely it. rushed it like you said. Yeah, I just I don't mind the injury. I like injury angles. I like putting people out you of do. commission. You but, love keeping people on the shelf. Yeah, but put them on the shelf. Make me miss them. Don't she came back too soon. They messed it up. That also helped Roman a ton by the way. Yeah. Roman deciding not to wrestle during COVID and just be gone gave you like that fresh that air fresh breath. Where you can naturally reset a character. And everyone was automatically in. Absolutely. And it just took months. Which is great. So, let's see. Next match. Uh, this is probably my runner-up for worst match. <laughs> Street Profits versus Andrade and Angel Garza. Again, it was only bad because they've done this a million times. 
And now it appears Garza got injured at the end of the match, so they can't do it a million and one. And I don't know what they do in Andrade. You, you have his advocate in the women's title program at this point, which we haven't gotten to that shit. So she's kind of occupied. I'm scared that they just shelve Andrade because he has nothing to do. These two tag teams have been feuding since March. End this shit. Why are we doing this again? Like, again, again, again. Like, we've been doing this. It's, dude, it's about to be October. This thing started seven months ago. I mean, and there was a Viking Raiders ninja program in the middle. But I'm saying, but they keep going back to this. And Garza and Andrade can't win. So hang it up, guys. Hang it up. So the other issue is, yes, Garza gets injured. And they clearly call an audible to the finish. But nobody let Andrade know. This is the second time they've done this shit. Like when, uh, what was it? Who got hurt? Eric or Ivar? Can't remember. Ivar. Eric, I think Eric? Ivar is in... Uh... No, no, you're right. Ivar, right? Ivar got hurt. Eric is in Raw Underground. Yeah, that's what happened. random shit. Right. <laughs> so they did that, and nobody told anybody. They, like, the person getting pinned needs to be the one told, like, yo, stay down. Don't kick out. Like, we're running an injury angle. Like, say something. You guys communicate in the ring. You should know this. Nobody tells Andrade anything. Andrade kicks out. Counts to three anyway. Angelo Dawkins mean mugs the shit out the referee because apparently he doesn't know what's going on either. Now, I get it. Injury angles, you, you should hurry up and finish the match. We don't need to see another Matt Hardy, Sammy Guevara situation, right? Yeah. But take a, just enough time to make sure everybody's on the same page. Yo, Garza's hurt. Go home. Go home. Go home. Got it, got it, got it. One, two, three. That's how you do it. Instead, it was like, Garza got hurt. Is anybody going to tell anybody? Nope. The referee's like, I'm just going to make this decision myself. I'm going to count this three count. Dawkins is like, what the fuck? Andrade's like, well, I kicked out. And Montez Ford is like, yo. We're still the champs. Like, this was, this match didn't need to happen. Guards are getting hurt. Really sucks. If it's something serious, because Ivar seems like he's on the shelf for like, what, nine months now? Yep. So, if, if hopefully it's nothing bad with Garza, but Andrade is the perfect mid-card heel. It's perfect. I need him to have that kind of a run. Like a U.S. title, somewhere in that area. He's not a main event guy. But let him yep. run as a mid-card heel. But I doubt that he'd be a guy I think that's gonna take him off. Prime for a trade to SmackDown if Garza's hurt. Oh, absolutely. You put him on on uh, we'll talk about TV in a minute. They've been doing some weird shit on TV. But you put Andrade over there on SmackDown, the the opportunity is endless. Yeah. Like give me go, him versus Matt Riddle. Dude. ASAP. Okay, fine. Look, real quick. This Matt Riddle shit is out of hand. The dude like loses every week now. And he's yeah, like I don't really get it. He loses to Baron Corbin clean as a sheet. Like, Corbin really needs to win, right? He lost to Jey Uso in that four-way, which got Jey this title fight. What are we doing with Matt Riddle? Then the other week, he does a whole bro segment? Is it over for Matt Riddle? Nah, I mean, he's won as much. Like, Mm. um, outside of this Corbin loss, he beat Corbin at a pay-per-view. And he obviously has big wins as well. He loses in, like, these four-way triple threat matches. I think he's only lost like three times. I mean, he lost to Corbin clean as a sheet. Yeah, that's one of the three. And I don't understand why if they didn't have a spot on this pay-per-view. But I don't I don't know where that's necessarily going. We'll talk about it when we get to this yeah. ladder match. So, you know, having a heel in the mid-card helps. 
it's just you got to get riddled from point A to point B. And I just don't see that path yet. Dude, the bro shit got to stop. The bro shit is Dude, cool. Shit. Dude, the bro shit is cool until they start like creating like marketing tools out of it. Like yeah, the, yeah. the whole. It's not bro- organic, bro. Yes, yeah, it just feels like it's being forced now. I said this before. My biggest concern was Matt Riddle was what? He turns into RVD and yeah. he's halfway there. Halfway. They, the best thing about Riddle everywhere he's been. And even NXT dropped the ball on this a little, but they figured it out sometimes is the bro shit works and is cool because when he flips the switch, it's so drastic. He goes from not giving a fuck at all and being like bro and stoner to being a killer and super intense and super focused. It's kind of, I mean, AEW's done it best, right? Where you have Orange Cassidy. Where he doesn't give a fuck at all. And then you put him in the ring for a match and the f- switch flips. And it's great. That juxtaposition is incredible. That's what WWE hasn't done for Riddle yet. Yeah. And that's why he's not over. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Keep going. Class of Champions. <laughs> uh, lastly, with the Hurt um, Business versus Apollo Crews. With Ricochet. <laughs> uh, we're not going there. We're not going there. Oh, Lord uh, Jesus. Ricochet did nothing that I wanted him to do in this match. Why was he no there? Turn. I don't know why he was there, man. They're, they're paying him. That's why he was there. So he has to do something to justify this check instead of just wrestling on main event. So, Ricochet did nothing except hug Apollo Crews after he tapped to Lashley for like the sixth time <laughs> since March. Apollo Crews beat everyone else in the Hurt Business. He can't beat Lashley. They keep putting him against Lashley. Seven straight months, he hasn't beat Lashley once. There's like a six straight tab out. So I don't, I don't know what this does for anyone. This was ridiculous. I have nothing else to say about that, man. Dude, this is the problem with theme pay-per-views. You got to have a title fight. And you're like, well, who can Lashley face? Well, the only person he's really feuded with, which was Apollo Crews. Problem is that Apollo Crews has wrestled nothing but hurt business wrestlers for the past three months. We can move on from this shit now, guys. Yeah, I feel like they move Apollo Crews right off TV when you move him out of this. Well, that, that's the problem. The dude has, has lost clean as a sheet to Bobby Lashley again. And it's like, well, where do you go from here? And then it's like Ricochet is like, well, shit, you just watched your friend lose and get tapped out again. You have no fire in your belly. Like, you guys are whack. <laughs> you got no fire in your belly like, at all. They're not like, you mad. They just, he, they, just, they just get whooped. To the, to the point, it's two, two moments real quick that really bothered me. One, Lashley goes out of the ring and flinches at Ricochet <laughs> and completely punks his ass out outside her ring. Hated that. That was ridiculous. Don't laugh. That shit was sad. Ooh. Two, at the end, Lashley has Apollo in in the full Nelson, right? After Apollo's tapping, after the ref is telling him to let go, and he's just looking at Ricochet, just fucking daring him to say something. And Ricochet's just standing there. I'm like, my man, you do all this flippy shit. Jump on the apron, kick him, do something, bite his ankle, poke at his big toe. <laughs> Do something. Oh, uh, you he know just the word. Stood there and did nothing and let his boy get choked out. Thirteen seconds after the belt. The the worst part about that. There's another part that you missed. So Lashley has Cruz in the full Nelson, right? 
And Cruz is tapping on the opposite side of the ref. The ref can't see him tapping. You know who points it out? Fucking Ricochet. Oh, God. <laughs> and not only that, he, he's the ops. He knocked out his own man. Yeah, his fans. You, you do the opposite of helping your man's win. You he's point like, out specifically when he loses. He's like pointing. He's like, yo, ref, my man is tapping, son. Like, yo. Oh, yo, in the optics, I, listen, they've done so many things right with this Hurt Business shit. Moving Lashley to the full Nelson, I was skeptical of, right? Because we've seen, like, the master lock and shit go real wrong in the past. Right. I love this shit. The optics of Apollo Crews having to tap on his bald head to submit, <laughs> he's just beating the shit out of himself. Because the only place he could tap is his own head, and he's slapping the hell out of himself. Yeah. It's double embarrassment. Not only do you tap, but he makes you beat the shit out of yourself while tapping. It's incredible. So here, so, so before we move to the next oh. match, here's the greatest thing about these former Dragon Gate wrestlers now. Apollo Cruz is tapping on his head. Ricochet is made out to be a complete bitch, and Akira Tozawa got ate by a fucking shark. He did get eaten by a shark. <laughs> Yo, they must not like Dragon's Gate over there. Oh, my God. Oh, Tozawa went ninja, and they got ate by a shark. I'm taking my friends, and I'm going home. At this point, I'd be like, yo, fuck you guys. We're going home. Woo. Oh, yeah, that is all bad. That shit's funny, though. I got a tear in my eye. <laughs> um, next match, Asuka versus Alina Vega. Why? Eh. You know what? I, I It wasn't a horrible match. No. I feel bad for Zelina Vega because if she is talking to people in the back, right? Or maybe she did deserve to be more than a valet. And they're giving her a shot. It is completely unfair to say, okay, you want to wrestle? Your first program, your first match is a title match on a pay-per-view. Right. That's just a recipe for a disaster. No one is going to succeed in that. She hasn't wrestled a meaningful match in four years. Yeah, I mean, she got what, she wrestled Bianca, didn't she? And she got she got racked up in that match. Yeah, that wasn't meaningful. She just got boat raced. <laughs> so it's like, yo, I don't look. There are people like, yo, let's run it back. No, no, I don't need to see this again. How about you make Zelina Vega look like a uh, a threat in other matches, beating other women? Before we get to Asuka. Like, imagine if... This is the equivalency. And a lot of people are going to go, no, it's not. And I'm, yes, it is. This is like Bobby the Brain Heenan being a manager. And then it was like, y'all feel like wrestling. And they were like, yo, you got Hulk Hogan. What the fuck? Like, are you serious? Like, yeah, come on, man. Like, it, no sense. It, it makes absolutely no sense. And then a- afterwards, Asuka... I don't know why they keep making Asuka look like a tool. They did this shit with Carmella. They're doing it now. It's like, oh, yes... She bowed to you, and it's Oscar. You should know better. These hoes ain't, ain't ain't your friends. These hoes ain't loyal. Nah, not at all. And then, <laughs> and then you get decked, and now you're like, oh, you're not ready for Oscar. No shit. Like the, the match went a little bit too long, only because I don't believe Zelina Vega's a threat, and Oscar in NXT would have murdered her. Yeah, I mean, no one handled Oscar better in NXT. Because they gave her legit matches every, like, four months. Yeah. Outside of that, if you did not deserve to be in the ring with Asuka, she is taking your whole face off. Yeah, she ran you yeah. out like Dana Brooke. Like, ran her out the building. Like, that's what you're Everyone. supposed to do. But Zelina yep. Vega gets... Uh, all right, whatever. She was running future champs out the building. Yeah. Like, and if you weren't worthy of being in there with her, it was one-way traffic. And can we figure out what's wrong with the Asuka lock? It doesn't look like the Asuka lock anymore. It looks like the one-handed chin touch. Oh, um... Fuck, what's-his-face kind of explained that what during our th- wrestling with stereotype show. 
So you weren't supposed to use the chicken wing at all. And then it appears that they have backed away from using the full uh, chicken wing. Why? So now she has to grab the, the throat. That does not look good. She grabbed under Zelina's chin and Zelina immediately starts tapping. Yeah, she's been doing that for like three months now. Yeah, dude, turn that shit back into a choke. No, I don't, I don't think they want to do it. I think they're trying to move that towards like a banned move list. No, that's whack. For what? It ain't the crossface crippler. God damn it. It's a chicken wing. Bob Backlund used it. Come on, man. Yeah, I think it, it lives and dies with Backlund. <sighs> um, now, yay. Oh, first Cesaro, Nakamura, pre-show, Lucha House Party. Which I didn't know they were still a tag team. Uh, yeah, so Cesaro and Nak win. They maintain the belts. They only fought because it's Clash of Champions. All right, the match that really matters. Sami Zayn versus Jeff Hardy versus AJ Styles. Triple, triple threat ladder match opens the show. 26 minutes long. The longest match of the night. And I loved every minute of it. This was good. This Look, this was good even though they just gave us them in a triple threat match on Friday. I don't. I have no idea why they did that shit. That was like the, I think Sammy won that match. Right. They read a herring dust. Yeah, but it was so stupid to even do it because they tore the house down. Between Jeff Hardy just not carrying it, his body must be made of like plexiglass. I don't know what's going on with him anymore. The fact that this man just continues to just kill himself in every match is like, hey, how are we going to book this match? And Jeff goes, just find new ways to kill me. And it's like, all right, cool. Let's throw you off a ladder. Like, whatever that weird spot was where Sammy was, like, lifting the ladder and Jeff was, like, trying to, like, slide down it on his belly and then the shit didn't work and they just fell out of the ring and the ladder fell, fell on Jeff's head. That would have been it for me. I just took my ball and went home. No, Jeff keeps going. There's a ladder spot where he dies off the ladder, the classic ladder spot from, like, TLC matches. The, the handcuff through his gauge. Like, what the fuck? What's wrong with you, Jeff Hardy? Matt Hardy can't even walk. I don't know how Jeff Hardy continues to do this stuff. This is, a, this is nuts. Bro, I, I can't explain it either. When he took the senton, like, eight minutes into the match, I was like, oh, he came here to die. Yeah. Like, he, he don't give a fuck at all. I was like, if this is the opening bump, I don't even know what's on the way. So, it, the match... You know, it continues to go. I thought it was a really good match in terms of ladder matches. The finish was the best part to me. Because it's so hard to do something, one, unique in that spot. Two, unique to these three men. I've seen a lot of Sami Zayn ladder matches. Jeff Hardy has a million ladder matches. It's so hard to still find something unique to do for these guys. AJ Styles was great as well. He did like a backflip off the announce table into a reverse DDT spot that I went crazy for. That, that was his TNA special, bro. You, you missed yeah. out. No, I mean, that at 43, though, hey. I've seen him do it in the past. At 43, incredible. Um, so I went nuts for that. I was like, oh, they're breaking out all the spots. Sami Zayn did the um, rope sunset flip spot yeah. that he used to do. So I was like, oh, they're bringing out some old moves. Like, the regular moves were really great. But like I said, the finish, Sami Zayn being a super heel, breaking out the handcuffs, you know, cuffing Jeff Hardy's gauge to one ladder, which Jeff Hardy got to just consider getting it sewn up at this point. Everyone's attacking the gauges. If he has one weakness, it is having the gauges, and everyone has now figured it out. Yeah. So his ear is stuck to a ladder, which at one point I was like, oh, shit, he's going to win and carry the ladder up a ladder. I really thought this was a possibility. But then Sami Zayn, then him and AJ Styles just have this great 
uh, sequence in the ring where it ends up Sami Zayn clasped the cuff on his own wrist and attached himself to AJ Styles to make it harder for Styles to climb the ladder. Styles tries taking him up the ladder. Sammy has the key in his mouth, spits it out, unlocks himself at the perfect time, puts AJ onto the ladder itself, climbs up and gets the belts. Just great, great storytelling and unique storytelling for a ladder match. And I give a lot of that credit to Sami Zayn. He was missed. It seems like he's been out for the better part of a year and a half. Yeah. It's great to have him back, and I love this role in this character for Sammy. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Like, Sammy was the glue for storytelling. Like, AJ's a freak athlete. Jeff Hardy's a fucking idiot that just doesn't care about his body. And here comes Sammy Zayn, the complete douchebag heel that shows up and weasels his way to get the titles in a way that was appeasing like i was like oh this is great like because i didn't know how this was gonna end up it's so weird i kept looking at aj styles like why are you in this match like you you don't have a claim to either title but whatever you're here because you're really good but sammy is the guy who deserved to get the both titles back because he never lost the title this was well played great way to open the pay-per-view and i was like yo how are they gonna do outdo this and then i had to wait like another two and a half hours till they got to roman and jay because everything else in between kind of sucked no, definitely. It was, like you said, the pay-per-view was bookended by two really great matches. Everything in the middle, eh, kind of hit or miss, but I thought they handled that very well. There's a ton going on outside of WWE, obviously, in pro wrestling. Since we didn't want to make this a three-hour show, our Thursday show, or Friday morning show, will be about pro wrestling again, and there we'll touch on G1 with New Japan, that is in full swing. I saw Osprey earlier this morning doing more flippy shit. It warmed my heart. So we're going to talk about that. AEW has been putting on good shows lately. And we're preparing for an NXT TakeOver. That, no no lie, kind of came out of nowhere. But the match card looks really good. So, listen, however we got there, we got there. But the matches should deliver. So we have to talk about all of that instead of shoehorning in it. Here, we'll save that for Friday so you guys... Just your luck. You get a lot of pro wrestling this week. Right now, though, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we have to talk MMA because UFC 253 came out. A man was humped in front of the world, people. <laughs> Dry humped. You guys stay tuned. We'll talk about that when we come back. All right, everyone, we'll get back to the show in one second. But first, you've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. (laughs) 
Okay, just that quick, we are back for this segment. Crack the claw. Cheers to you. Cheers to Israel Adesanya on the huge win at UFC 253. For this one, though, I don't want to start at the end and work our way backwards like we did on this previous segment. So, I will contain myself. Spoiler alert, he humped a man. I will contain myself, though, and we will go just through the main card real quick. Um, some of the, I guess, no, just co-main and main. Yeah, we can, Is I mean, just that? Duwadu, Diego, though, whatever. We don't. D- Diego doesn't need to fight anymore. Duwadu saying, like, he wants to fight and chasing a man was incredible. Um, Caitlin Vienna. Your tweet saying, this is what I'm going to say to all races. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. I'm pulling up on all of them like that. Let's fight. Let's <laughs> fucking fight. Like, yeah. That's about yeah, it. That, the pre- I mean, like, uh, this card was really a two-match. It's crazy. Boxing had a more stacked card than this, but whatever. Yeah. But the two, the co-main and the main delivered when it came down to it. And the co-main, Dominic Reyes versus Jan Blakovich. And... It's for the title John Jones vacated when he moved up to heavyweight. So we're like, cool, we get fresh blood. We've been calling for damn near a decade for fresh blood in this division. Last week when we talked about it, we thought, both of us thought, Reyes would kind of make quick work yeah. of Blagovich. I think you had it going like two rounds. Yeah. Two rounds. yeah. I had it a little longer. As soon as Reyes walked into the octagon, he looked off. Dude, it was evident that he had a brutal weight cut, and for whatever happened, his mind was not in the game. They were, he was not there. No, physically, he just he looked so drained and so much smaller than when he fought John. I, listen, traveling on Fight Island is tough. Training during a pandemic is tough. Shit happens, but he did not look nearly at a hundred percent. And then the bell rang, and he wasn't even close to fifty percent. He looked slow. Jan picked up on it early. Jan won the first round, even though it was a test around. Jan was kicking the shit out of him. The bruise that Dominic had on his side was off of one kick, and it bruised crazy. And when I saw that, I was like, yeah, you don't bruise that fast if something's not wrong. Like, something's physically wrong with your body to take one kick and have the man's foot imprinted on your side. So it, it didn't look good from there. The second round got even worse. And Jan ended up finishing Dominic Reyes in brutal fashion. And now you couldn't have told me three years ago that Jan would be champion. But I look at the resume. The resume is kind of strong. So it's not like out of this realm. It's just I didn't think he was overly impressive in any fight. Like beating Luke Rockhold wasn't overly impressive. He got rocked by Thiago Santos. And then the Jacare fight went the distance. It, it just didn't impress me. The distance was with Manawa. There was good wins, but it wasn't super impressive wins. But that is now your UFC champion. By the way, fun fact for listeners, longtime listeners of the Corner Podcast, before I let you weigh in, Dre. Do you know that Patrick Cummins <laughs> once defeated Jan Blakovich? <laughs> which means... That the man is championship material. Oh, my God. If you guys have been listening for quite a long time, it's probably one of my worst hot takes ever. Mm. And this at least gives me a little bit of credit. The UFC light heavyweight champion once lost to Patrick Cummins. Yeah, that's... uh, Oh, my God. Take that stat. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, um, 
You just threw me with that one. So, <laughs> look, Jan Lajovic, like they, I've seen his name pronounced so many different ways, but John John Lennox, like nailed it now. But he, there are so many ways that I could have seen the light heavyweight division going. Jan being champion was never one of them. That is the most 2020 thing to happen this year, that he is now the UFC light heavyweight champion. He comes into this match beating, look, you say the resume is great, and I'm not going to deny that his victories have been great, but they've been all against blown up middleweights. Uh, like yeah. all of his, just with the exception of Reyes, I think, I can't even, everybody else he's fought was a middleweight that had come, come up to light heavyweight. But, uh, is Manawa a middleweight? No, not Manawa. So that's, that's legit. I mean, I mean, he lost to Santos. Yeah, Corey. Corey Anderson? Anderson. Middleweight? I mean, Corey's, yeah, but Corey's been around for a second. But yeah, middleweight, Luke, middleweight, Jacare. Middleweight? Floated back and forth, middleweight. Um, Krylov. Well, he's a heavyweight now. Yeah, probably the biggest guy he beat. Yeah, but I'm not, look, I'm just surprised that here we are talking about Jan being champion in 2020. But uh, I don't think he's going to hold that title long. If he faces Thiago Santos next, he's probably going to lose. Um, and that's probably the fight they need to book. If Santos can get past Glover Teixeira, yeah, that's what we're going to get. But, yeah, man, look, Reyes looked like the future of this division. When Reyes almost beat John Jones, we all was like, ooh, this is the, he's up next. And then he went out there and got washed. So, yeah, uh, yeah uh, I don't know. I think the man who we'll talk about next can go up to light heavyweight now and take that title from Jan if he wanted to. Hot take prediction. In the year 2022, the UFC light heavyweight champion will be Anthony Rumble Johnson. Man, I need to see that man make 205. That's, that's, that's why it's a hot take. <laughs> because the man was a legit 320 pounds. But we've seen him get very low before. He's older now. I can't see him doing this shit again. He's going to die. He is older. He's going to die. I don't know. If he doesn't die, someone else will. Well, because right. now... There's no one there to wrestle it. And there's only people at the top that throw hands. This is going to get real rough for a lot of people. Because he's throwing bricks. Um, that's my hot take prediction for today. But you are correct. The man in the main event of UFC 253 could go up tomorrow and win that belt. And that is Israel Adesanya. What I tell y'all? You might have shortchanged Adesanya. And I say that even though you were wildly complimentary and said he was going to crush Paulo Acosta. He did it even better than your prediction. Yeah, well, yeah. I said first round or the fourth round. He did it in two. I said, I mean, he feasts. This is, this, these are the opponents that Israel Adesanya can own. He feasts on these type of opponents. I don't know why people don't see this. This is Anderson Silva all over again. I know people don't want to compare him to that, but it's the same elite-level striking that nobody can get past. Anderson Silva, when he ran roughshod over the middleweight division, he faced a bunch of guys who were not terrific wrestlers. I mean, he beat Dan Henderson, but Dan Henderson was really a sprawling brawl guy. I mean, you run down the list of people that Anderson beat up, and there were all guys that couldn't hang with his striking and couldn't figure out what to do. You look at these, the guys that Israel Adesanya has fought, Robert Whitaker, knocked him out. Uh, Yoel Romero didn't use his wrestling. Paulo Costa, a guy who just kind of either comes at you 
and goes balls to the wall. That's easy work. There's yeah. there's nothing that troubles Izzy about a guy who's going to come straight to him. The person Calvin who get, Gaston gave him the most trouble. And why was that? Because the man could actually use wrestling, and he threatened with it. Like he would yeah. he would feint to take down, throw the overhand right, and it made Izzy think because Izzy doesn't want to be on his back, no matter what he says. Because even after the press conference, he was like, "Oh, I hope I can." No, he doesn't. He does not want any part of the ground game because he doesn't need to. So, but Gaslam being a threat on the ground is the reason why Izzy got caught in that fight. Pa- Paulo Casa offered nothing. He just was trying to throw. He was trying to to talk him into. Well, I don't know what he was doing, but. I like if you follow my tweets, I said it. I was like, look, he's setting up these leg kicks for a head kick. It's coming. That question mark kick is coming. Because the moment, because Casa's not checking those kicks. Because he's immediately thinking, oh, he's going to try to go for a head kick. And Adesanya's like, no, I'm not. I'm going to keep kicking your leg until you can't take it anymore. And then now that your mind is on how bad your leg hurts, I'm going to kick you in the head. And then the night. He did. Costa survived the, the head kick, though. Right. But it cut him open like, like a Gitsu knife. As. Uh, Israel Adesanya said, like, that shit cut him quick. Yeah, and it cut him, and it took away his confidence. So then what did he do? He got desperate, which is another thing that Adesanya likes. You go in recklessly, you're desperate, you get countered. Because Adesanya, one, has a ridiculously long reach. Two, he's incredibly precise. So his whole game plan is wait for you to make a mistake and capitalize. Look at the Derek Brunson fight. Same thing. Waited for somebody to make a mistake, took him apart. He did the same thing here. Paulo Costa tried to roar in, left his head right in the middle. So all that Adesanya had to do was slide back because he does that a lot. He does that little backslide, check hook, puts you down. End of the fight. That was one of the easy, like, for the UFC, they tried to brand this as, like, the most important middleweight title fight, which is fucking, no, they tried to brand it as the most important title fight, which is fucking ridiculous. Did everybody forget yeah. Josie Aldo and Conor McGregor and how much hype was there? Did everybody forget GSP and, and, um, and, um, BJ Penn, like there was so. I think they did it because like two undefeated. Sure, whatever. Prime fighting each other. They they tried to spin it. I get it, but I don't. Get yeah, it. I mean, dude, Brock Lesnar and Shane Carwin. There's so many big title fights, and this was the one you built the biggest. And then when it happened, Costa just got washed. He got washed to the point where even Dana White after was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do with him anymore because it was that bad. <laughs> he just got, he got beat up. But he got to move up. You're talking about Izzy being able to go up. Paulo got to move up. I mean, look, I, you might be right. But the problem the problem is, is that he's got little arms. And he goes up to 205, he's even smaller. Yeah, I mean, no. It's very hard to be smaller than Israel Adesanya. Because, listen, the guy's skinny. No, no, no. He's 6'4". No. I'm talking about 80 reach. Inch reach. I'm talking about Costa's reach. You put him at 205. Yes, I don't know if anyone at 205 has an 80 inch reach. Like Adesanya is a freak of nature. Yeah, but they're still gonna have a. a they, I mean, he's because Paulo Costa has been really. He's a gigantic middleweight. He yeah. won't be a gigantic light heavyweight. No, but he'll be at home. He can cut less weight. You better rely on that power. Yeah. And let's be real, they're not as talented as Israel. Adesanya. No. And and this and a lot of people was like, oh, because I said, look, he can go to 205 right now and take the title. He was like, no, let him clean out the division. Look, I get it. People want him to break Anderson Silva's record. But if you look at the middleweight division, he's kind of already cleared it out. Yeah, if Jared Cannonier. Yeah, if Jared Cannonier, who he will feast on, same type of fighter, if Jared Cannonier finds a way to beat Robert Whitaker, and that's the next fight to make, fine. But if he doesn't, you might really have to consider this because if you look at the light heavyweight division, if it's John and Tiago, that makes sense. But if Tiago loses the Glover and, and John doesn't decide because John's starting to tease going back to 205 because he's a dick. But if that doesn't happen, 
Look, I'm totally fine with Adesanya just going to 205, winning the title, and coming right back to middleweight. I agree. I don't think he comes right back because then I think John really isn't just talking. John will cut back down to fight. Maybe he will. Maybe that's the way you get that super fight to happen. But the point yeah. is, like, people are like, you forced the issue with the belt. Yeah, but people want him to stay at middleweight. And I, I get it. You want him to like, don't rush him. That's not rushing him. Jan Blachowicz is somebody, Blachowicz, whatever you guys want to call him. He's yeah. somebody that is tailor made for Adesanya. People are like, well, no, he's light heavyweight. It's not size that Adesanya beats people with. Clearly, it's technique. Anderson Silva, if you looked at Anderson Silva, if Anderson Silva came to your pool, right, and took off his shirt, and he was like, I'm going to whoop everybody's ass in this pool, you'd be like, man, get the fuck out of here. And then he goes and does it. Adesanya is a little bit more ripped than Anderson Silva is. and But Anderson Silva went to 205, was just washing people. He washed people everywhere. So why can't Israel Adesanya do the same thing at 205? It's not rushing him. He has nobody left. Like, he worked his way up 205 quickly, but it was the hard way. He didn't take any easy fights along the way. He fought everybody he needed to fight that was in his way. So he doesn't really need to go backwards away for a contender. Fight Jan. He can beat him technique-wise. He'll feast on Jan striking. Pick him apart. Put him down. Put him away. Get the title. Hey, John, you want to come get it? No? Okay, fine. Then I'll go back down. But I'm putting down, I'm drawing my line in the sand. I'm the best 205 fighter now. Come get it. Why not? Yeah. I mean, the UFC lo- UFC loves double champs. So, what? yeah, like you said, why not? And the man fights consistently. Weirdly enough, I think he could defend both titles if he wanted to. He's, uh, yes. I mean, dude, he fought, what, six times in two years? Yeah. So he's active enough to actually defend both belts in both weight classes. And what are you going to tell me, like, his challenger after that would be Tiago Santos? Ooh. Yeah, I mean, dude. Like, he can handle all of those guys. Yes, and Tiago's probably the one person that I'd be like, hmm, that's a tough fight because Tiago does have technique. But, it, again, if you're not threatening with wrestling, you're not going to be Israel Asanya. John Jones is the one person, because he's a thinking man's fighter, that could find a way to get inside on Asanya and make it tough for him. And even John might have to ragdoll his ass. Yeah, like, he'll have to, but John's smart enough. Everybody else, not, like, when Israel Asanya says Paulo Costa's stupid, he's not doing it to be insulting. He's doing it because he's telling the truth. He, the guy was, he fought a dumb fight, and he got wrecked because of it. But that's exactly what I said. Remember I said last week, the path to victory for Paulo Costa is to grapple with him. Standing with him is going to get him clipped and knocked out. But he can never even get him close to being on the cage. No. And granted, Costa was never going to shoot for a takedown, right? Like, he wasn't going to shoot for a double or a single. So you have to put him against the cage and drag him down. He wasn't able to even try to put him against the cage. No, but that was his only path to victory. That was it. That was it. He, he, he lost. Good night. I saw he said he was moving in slow motion, and it looked like that. Yeah, and, and here he is. Like, Costa's getting leg kicked. Like, the first leg kick, Paulo Costa points and is like, hit me again. And Adesanya doesn't even blink. And he's like, all right, cool, and kicks him again. And then Paulo Costa the second time was like, hmm, I better not ask him to do that again because that shit hurt. <laughs> Gotta learn your lesson, man. Yeah, like you think, you think shit is sweet till it happens, and it's like, oh, maybe I asked for a little bit too much. So yeah, no, great fight though. Highlight of the fight, not even knockout. Israel Adesanya. Oh, I loved it. Just after the ground and pound, pulling back, double pump on Paulo Costa on the ground. How disrespectful is that? The man humped him, and I love every second of it. 
And then he went to the corner and came on his corner. <laughs> it was so disrespectful. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I had the, the version with no commentary because I was clipping it for work and clipping the highlights. He goes to the corner, and before he does that, oh, I'm coming and comes all over them. Um, <laughs> before he does that, he says, oh, he has a black belt? I'm going to pull out my dick, wrap it around my waist. That's a black belt. Yo, I lost it. Lost it. I was like, I love that line. <laughs> this guy's incredible. Yo, he, he was so disrespectful, but in the best of ways. Yeah. Where it was like, yo, y'all were talking all this shit. And he let everyone have it. Everyone. That's why Costa really can't come back. Because it wasn't that he got knocked out. People get knocked out every day. He got humped in front of everyone. Oh, he's got embarrassed. That was the number one post on SportsCenter Instagram yesterday. <laughs> a day that has a boxing pay-per-view. NBA fight. LeBron won. <laughs> correction is the number one video post because like there's LeBron stat posts that went through the fucking roof but LeBron won the same day college football the SEC debuted on that day all of these things are happening and instead Israel Adesanya humping Paulo Costa people went nuts for like yo did he really just hump this man like yes he did mm -hmm. without shame <laughs> in front of everyone. Hell yeah. The guys, yeah. Oh, man. So at this point, no one should talk shit to him ever again. Nah, cut it out, man. Because if you don't talk shit, it's very, he's very cordial after the fight. He'll knock you out, but he's he's nice to you. If you talk shit, he's going to pee on the post in the corner or hump you. You don't want either of those. Me <laughs> either. Costa. Oh, man. He took Costa's manhood. That's what he did. Took his manhood. That shit had me in tears. Uh, so, a good fight. UFC has a card coming up this weekend. No need to preview it. I Listen, I'm not going to tell you guys not to watch it. But if you had to miss a UFC card, it's probably not the best card. So, you can probably go without watching this one. It'll be on ESPN, though. So, it's on normal TV. Might as well. Holly Holm is headlining it. If you guys are huge Holly Holm fans, um, tune into that one. Probably get Amanda Nunez's um, next bantamweight opponent out of this night. So whoever looks better, Holly Holm or Jermaine Duraname, will probably be the number one contender in the bantamweight division. So there's implications. Right now, we're going to take a break. When we return, we're going to talk about a boxer. Maybe people would like to call him an MMA fighter, but right now he's a boxer. Conor McGregor talking about coming back to take a boxing fight against Manny Pacquiao. We'll talk about that. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Am I going to make a bet on the number of pay-per-views that it will sell? No. You guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. We'll get right back to the show in a second, but first, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going an extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to teams, player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today 
and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we're back for the home stretch, and we are talking boxing to close out the show. Specifically, 0-1 Conor McGregor <laughs> calling the shots in boxing. It's, you say what you want. The man's 0-1, but he has the second biggest boxing pay-per-view of all time. So when that happens, dollars make sense. You do whatever the hell you want. He's been campaigning to get a fight in the UFC the whole summer. They can't justify paying him without fans. So it looks like they're working on a deal for him to fight Manny Pacquiao. This isn't too shocking. Pacquiao went to the same management company as McGregor four months ago. So they're trying to get this deal done in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia. Plenty of money out there. So it makes sense. The dollars are there. Why not? Dre, do you think the fight happens? Because I'm I'm of the mindset of I'm glad I got my passport because I'm almost positive this is happening. Yeah, this is probably going to happen. Um, there's just too much <laughs> money. Diff- Hold on. What a difference from when we were talking McGregor Mayweather. Hey. Where that shit was like impossible this one gets announced we're like nah, yeah it's gonna happen yeah because i mean you look at the economics for it you look at where manny pacquiao's at in his career you look at the available opponents you look at covid you look at what connor brings to the table you look at the fact they've done this before yeah you might as well just go ahead and do this this is easy money for manny pacquiao it's easy money for connor Maria too but he's gonna get whooped because of it but this is the fight to make right now for them it's a show I mean, you're not making Errol Spence and Manny Pacquiao. That's not happening next. Errol Spence no. is fighting Danny Garcia. You're not doing Manny Pacquiao versus Bud Crawford. And because they never really wanted that fight, no matter what anybody says, Manny's people. But you do Manny Pacquiao versus Conor McGregor, and it does just as many, well, more pay per views than both of those yeah. fights combined. And it's an easier night of work. For a 40, was Pacquiao's 42? Yeah, it's, it's to get him a payday. Yeah, they, again, they've done this before. Al Heyman will be on board. It'll probably be a Showtime pay per view. I don't know how they'll play this, but whatever it oh, is, you gotta you gotta cut promote, baby. Yeah, well, they kind of still under UFC contract. Got to be on the plus. Yeah, I mean, talk to don't Jamie. cut us out of it. It'll be on ESPN Plus. Come on. Um, but yeah, this is this is pretty obvious and I saw the betting lines and Manny Pacquiao was like a minus 500 favorite and I was like oh I'm gonna go mortgage my house and put it on Manny Pacquiao better than Floyd was right Floyd closed that's the crazy thing well see at like 320 yeah yeah I I cleaned up that night but um (laughs) I don't know if these I don't know if his fans like UFC fans and like the Irish will make the same mistake twice and go run and put a bunch of money on Manny Pacquiao again cause I don't see how you look at this fight and think it'll go any better for Manny, uh, for Conor McGregor. For two reasons. One, Floyd Mayweather made it a point to carry Conor, uh, Conor McGregor in that fight. Made it a point to tire him out and then just run rough shot over him. He didn't, like, people were like, oh, he, Con- I still get this. People hit me and go, Conor hit him all these times. Dude, Floyd stood there and let him unload because he was like, this is not going to do anything but make him tired. And it wore him out. But he carried him. 
Manny, I don't think Manny Pacquiao knows how to carry somebody. Instead, Manny's going to go out there and do the Manny shit. And Connor's never dealt with somebody. Who, that's the thing. You can even trade for Floyd Mayweather. The hardest part about dealing with Floyd is trying to figure out how to hit him. Manny doesn't fight like regular boxers. Manny throws things straight down the middle, but extraordinarily fast. I don't think Connor knows what he's getting into with Manny Pacquiao. And he's going to get his nose broke in that fight. I can almost guarantee it. His head's going to be right in the center for Manny to throw a straight left and a right hand down the middle and it's going to break Connor's nose. Connor's getting knocked out in this fight. Easy. I think I think this fight goes the distance. I would what? parlay Manny and the over. Why? Because Floyd at the end of the day, Floyd and Connor had no business ties to each other. Floyd decided to carry him out of the kindness of his heart. Manny Pacquiao being on the same management company of Conor McGregor is not going to knock out Conor McGregor and fuck up his, you know, the management company's money. This is going to be a cash grab. I also don't think Conor's going to knock out Manny I, I or try even to knock out Manny. I think they're going to make each other look as good as possible. Manny doing most of the carrying, of course, but Conor not throwing to knock him out. Conor will probably land more than he did in the Mayweather fight. They'll have exchanges where they throw maybe 60% power and land. Cool. Um, I think we'll have those exchanges to get people hype and entertained. But at the end of the day, I, I think it's a handshake deal. No. This is, we are we are two of the same company right now. No, 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 no. How, why would you think, over. why would you think Conor McGregor would not want to knock out Manny Pacquiao? I don't know if he can, if he wants to or not. No, I'm just but saying. Again, it's about the money. Because but, it's a, I can't get a fight right now. Manny, you want a payday. Let's just do this. That's crazy. Dude, that's crazy. They like, might as we, well have headgear on in my mind. But see, and this is what we'll exhibition. get to. There's, no such, there's really no such thing as the exhibition fight. As we just saw with Chavez and Arce. 58-year-old Julio Cesar Chavez and 41-year-old uh, Jorge Arce just fought like they were in a goddamn title fight in Mexico in front of nobody. Because you know what happens? When you get punched in the face, all that shit changes. Like, oh, yeah, let's have fun. It ain't fun no more. This shit is not fun anymore. So if Conor McGregor kicks in. Yes, Conor McGregor's going to hit Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao's going to slap his gloves together, and Conor's going to go, oh, fuck. He's coming <laughs> Not for the me. Manny slap. Yeah, everybody <laughs> knows the Manny slap. It's over when you see the Manny slap. When Manny sla- starts slapping his, his gloves together, he's pissed off. And but that's that's it's all these years of muscle memory, and it, there's no way Connor's going into a boxing match with Manny Pacquiao not trying to knock his head off, because if he if he were to beat Manny Pacquiao by knockout, you know how big that would be for Connor McGregor, and oh. Manny Pacquiao's retiring, so what? So who cares? Yeah, huge. I mean, Connor would get a Canelo fight. <laughs> It'd be that big. So and on the other side of that, if Connor loses, so. You just lost to two of the greatest fighters of all time. Yep. So I, there's, I don't think there's any way that somebody's going to carry somebody else and have some got it. You and these goddamn handshake deals need to stop. Handshake deal. I think it goes over. I, I don't think Manny tries to hurt him. Um, now, if it ends in a stoppage, it ends in a stoppage. Like, if it ends in a TKO, yeah, sure, I can see the ref saving Connor, right? Like, cool. His nose is broken. He's bleeding. He's accumulating too much punishment. I, I can see it. I don't see it happening early I don't think Manny goes in there with a killer instinct. I think Manny clowns him. 
And Manny knows, like, this guy can't hurt me. Not in this sport. Not when I've seen the best of the best do it. I can do enough to make it decisive and not hurt him. Do you think... How do you think... All right. This this is going to answer everything you need to know. You think they're going to have a cordial buildup for this fight? More cordial than Connor and Floyd. Well, but no, I mean, Connor, Connor, no, Connor can only talk shit. He's going to talk shit, but I, I think he keeps it to Manny being a pipsqueak and small, and that's most of his jokes. Connor's already dissed Freddie Roach. Yeah, he'll he'll talk about Freddie. That's a little blow. But he'll talk a, about Freddie. He'll talk about that, uh, maybe the taxes. Come on, man. That shit doesn't go over well with, with Manny. Yeah, that's kind of like Pusha T telling... Drake that forties on the clock. Yeah, it's like dog, don't do that. Man, it's sick, sick, sick. Yeah, I'm, that doesn't go over well. I'm telling you, the the whole thing is like as if they do another world tour, if if, if depending on how COVID plays out when this fight happens, they, and they do another world tour, whatever thing they do, Connor's gonna show out. He's gonna show his ass to sell his fight. And Manny's gonna sit there smiling. And behind that smile is gonna be like, I'm gonna murder this motherfucker. And that's what's gonna happen. There's no way that Manny's gonna walk into the ring and be like, Good fight. Like he'll good fight you after you're dead. That's what he did to Ricky Hatton. He murdered him. I was like, let me That's, help you up. Yeah, 10 years ago, Manny. 10 hey. before, you know, Revitalize, I Found Christ, I'm Cutting, R&B Track, Manny. Like, that Manny was a different beast. Yeah, but look, the, the, the Jesus Christ superstar Manny's Pacquiao was gone again. Like, what he did to Keith Thurman, he was trying to hurt Keith. And, Early. and Keith, Early. Keith is a world champion. Pound for pound, he's up there. And Manny was trying to hurt him. You think he's not going to do the same thing to, to Conor McGregor? I don't think so with Conor. Oh, man. I could be wrong. Again, I'm not betting on this. <laughs> so, so, no bets. Um, <laughs> even, even though I think it does better than 2 million pay-per-view bots. No bets. No guarantees. And you love it. You notice how I lowered my bar to 2 million. Right, I'm not betting you on that. It's going to do no, 2 million. No, we're not. Oh, okay, good, good. Damn, what if I pushed betting. it to four? Yeah, I'll bet you on that, but we're not no, 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 I'm betting again. I already got... Let, listen, people, you guys listen to the show a lot. I'll tell you this. Depending on how this Tyson bet works out, <laughs> if, if I need to recuperate, maybe I'll go double or nothing and bet on Connor oh, uh, at four million. That's a better bet. You, at least out of yes. the two, Connor Manny is a better bet for four than the other one. By far. So I might take you off on that, depending on how this Tyson one works out. I'm keeping hope. It's not over till it's over. Mm. All right. And I got to figure out how Triller pay-per-view stats work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do some deep dive digging there to, to try to doctor these numbers when that fight comes along. Um, yeah, so now, hypotheticals aside, we had real boxing matches. You touched on one. Chavez Sr. went out there and put on one hell of a boxing match gets Arce and to the point where they didn't want to stop fighting the ref had to pull him apart it was like a mini old man brawl it was a, it was so good <laughs> I think Chavez Sr. won that fight yeah well okay if, if we were scoring like yeah know. sure and I mean look it didn't matter it was just I'm ju- I just want to get to this point when you when there's there's two Chavez that fought on Friday night one of them needs to retire and the one that needs to retire is not the 58-year-old. It's his son. How do you get shown up by your 58-year-old father 
in a boxing match. How does this happen? Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. has always been trash. He's been carried by the, his last name, and he's carried by the genetics that let him have a freakishly heavy-handed right hand. Like, he, was, he had a great right hand and a pretty good chin. But desire was not there. And this man went out there after his father tore the house down. He watched his dad tear the house down, went out there and stunk it up against Mario Caceres and quit again. Come on, man. Stop giving this man Chavez your money. Anybody. He's fucking terrible. Chavez Jr. is a bum. And I, and I love the, the best part about Chavez Jr. is whenever they turn the camera to Chavez Sr., and he looks so disgusted. <laughs> it's the 50 cent looking out the window picture, Jeff. That, that's what happens every time they show Chavez Sr. He's like, I can't believe I gave birth to this piece of shit. That's, that's what he's saying. This man could have come from these loins. It's yes. like, come on, man. I'm, the, I'm a Mexican folk hero. You are sullying my name, son. You're trash. And like he said it in our interview at The Zone. He said, I would have picked a different opponent. He might lose this fight. And he's like, God damn, dad. And then Caceres went out there and beat him. And Caceres, the only thing that Caceres had, like his resume is like paper thin. But he's the last man in the amateurs to beat Canelo Alvarez. That's all he had. That's all you need. That's all you need. And he's all you need. Chavez Jr. is big trash. He's been robbing the bank for so long. This is he wanted out. That was the worst part. Yeah, he was done. Tough out the fight again. Quitter. Chavez Sr. beats Chavez Jr. today. Yes, Chavez Sr. goes in there. Like, he probably went home and beat up his kid. Yeah, give me the under on that, too. Chavez Sr. stops him. <laughs> so, <it's> so <laughs> I'll take, take the under on a 50-something-year-old man stopping his son. Oh, man, this shit was horrible. But let, let's, let's be fair. I saw Chavez Jr. working out in high heels like two months ago. Hey, Amen. In, in a skirt. Like, I wasn't that hopeful that he was going to win. Like, you know, it didn't seem like he was taking this as serious as he should. I'm just saying. Like, you lost in Mexico, too? Like, what the fuck? Go on. Oh, Mexico. Ben betrayed him. Like, it's it's a wrap. Big trash. Yeah, it's it's over for that, man. Um, Another fight that was pretty good this weekend. Josh Taylor went out there, defended his belt. First round knockout with... I'm still not sure I saw the punch. That landed to the liver. This wasn't a good fight. This was quick. I mean, but it was going to be quick. He was fighting a man with a blown-up record who was going to be susceptible to get hit by anything that Josh threw at him. It was just to set up the Ramirez fight. Which brings me to the Ramirez fight. Ramirez struggled through his last fight. Taylor made easy work. Do you think too much is being kind of put on Taylor's going to wash Ramirez? Yeah, I don't don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be a really good fight. I can't pick a winner. It's a 50-50 fight. Oh, it's that close? Yeah, it's a 50-50 fight. See, I, I still give Josh the edge. Like, is Ramirez that much better than Progress? Yeah. I think, yeah. And, I mean, dude, people forget. People remember your last performance. And the Ramirez performance, it was what it was. The postal fight, he won. But he looked a little lethargic in spots. Could have been COVID. Could have been whatever. But you got to remember, this man knocked out Mo Hooker. Savagely. He did beat the brakes off of Mo Hooker. Like, savagely. When Ramirez is on his game, he's tough to beat. And especially when he sits on his body shots. Him and Josh Taylor will have an excellent, excellent fight. I'm not going to go out there and people are saying Josh Taylor is going to watch him. But Josh Taylor just beat a bum. Like the, again, you didn't even see the body shot. Okay. I'm just saying. 
Josh Taylor's really good, but I can't gauge anything off of that performance. Are you insinuating that this was a phantom body shot? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that the dude wasn't. A lot of wasn't... people in my comment section was. Yeah, I, I'm just saying the dude wasn't built to go the distance with Josh Taylor. He was cannon fodder. He was confetti. He was dirt. Like, he was not going very far. He was just somebody to keep Josh Taylor busy and to punch on. And that's what he did. So I can't take anything away from that performance, but I can't put anything on it either. I can't say, oh, man, he's a killer. He's just not that guy I never heard of. No, I'm okay. Yeah, that's fair. And then the other fight of the weekend, probably the biggest one of the weekend in boxing. Oh, definitely the biggest one, obviously. Charlo Brothers, dual pay-per-view. One, I thought it was painstakingly long. The intermission kind of messed it up. Splitting the pay-per-views is not for me. Just even if you want six fights on a pay-per-view card, which is crazy, just go from bottom to top. Give me the Charlos back-to-back. I didn't need them being split by these other fights because I didn't care about the second two fights leading up to the final Charlo fight. I was like, yeah, let's just get to it. So it left me like in a weird spot. I didn't care. And the fights went way too long. We expected a knockout in at least one of them. Nope, both went to decision. No, I mean, Figueroa got a knockout. Neary, it was Neary. Luis Neary's Neary, fight. Neary was long. There was just no reason for that fight to go the distance. I think everybody was confused. I've watched Neary for a few years now, and I'm looking at him like, oh, yeah, he's going to watch this guy. And then go the distance, and it's like relatively close, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So that was crazy. But but that, that fight kind of took the steam out of everybody. But I did like the fact that we got Charlo Derevchenko so early in the night that I did I could just completely ignore UFC and watch that fight. I like that part. If That's it was true. a co-main event, it would have been a problem. Yeah, My attention would have been divided. Split attention. Yeah. Okay. So I I like this type of a card be, because of that. Like my co-main event is actually at like seven o'clock Pacific time, and I'm like, all right, word. And it's a really good fight. But then yeah. Shout out to, to Luke Thomas and Brian Campbell for doing, you know, the, the intermission. But the intermission was just extraordinarily long. And then we got back into it. And then we had, like, an opening again. And I'm like, all right, man, let's just get to the fucking fights. But yeah, um, see, it was 7 o'clock for you. It was 10 o'clock for me. Well, the crazy thing was you couldn't have sold me on this idea that the Charlo Rosario fight would have, like, started after Adesanya beat Costa. What? Yo, 1 a.m. <laughs> I was like, it's starting at 1 a.m.? It's ridiculous. So I worked. It was it was perfect because I was able to work on the boxing account perfectly fine for the first Charlo fight, really space out and work the entire MMA main card, come back and then finish the boxing account stuff. So shout out to Overtime. And that made it perfect so I didn't have to like go back and forth, split my attention and work too crazy. I had the perfect timing. That being said, the fights itself will start with the first Charlo. So Jamal comes out versus Derevichenko and surprises me. I think out of everyone who's fought Derevichenko up to this point, Jamal looked the best out of all of them. So I don't know how Derevichenko lasted the full fight because that guy's like a machine. He's like a zombie because he was getting an ass whooping. And Jamal was hitting him with everything. And he'd just stay in the fight. He'd put his head in Jamal's chest and keep throwing bombs. His eye was all messed up. He's bleeding. Nothing phased that man. 
one hell of a that's toughness personified, but he took an ass whooping. Yeah, I mean, look, I had the fight a lot closer um, than the one eighteen, one ten. I thought that was ridiculous. Uh, I have there's two sides of this fight for me. There's the first four rounds where Jamal Charlo used his jab, picked him off, used his length, didn't let him get inside. Then there's like the middle part of the fight where Jamal Charlo goes, I want to knock him out. I think I can. I'm going to let him come inside so I can throw this uppercut. And that's when Derevicheco says, oh, this is what I want. I need to be inside. So open the door. Please let me in so I can hit you. And it becomes a fight. But there was a lot of things that I saw out of Charlo that I really liked. His patience with the jab was exceptional. The way he sharp, sharp he was sharpshooting with the jab to the point where Derevchenko couldn't get inside. But then he still showed that he could set enough traps to give Sergey problems once he did get inside. So I love Charlo's performance. Um, I it's people were you know I asked the question is he top ten pound for pound and people were like yeah and I'm like no he's not he's not he's not no. He's not. Like, because that would mean you'd have to put him ahead of, like, Sean Porter, Caleb Plant, David Benavidez. He's not there yet. He's top 20, pound for pound. And then some people take this disrespect. No, he's not. He's undefeated. No, he hasn't beat anybody. This Derevchenko was the first person of that was worth the shit that he beat at, at middleweight. Oh, okay. I was about to say J-Rock, but we discussed yeah, that. Yeah, talking about at 60. At 60, he's beaten yeah. nobody until Derevchenko. And Charlo's been, like, really pissed off because he doesn't like people saying that about him. But then on the other side of it, he gets mad. Both of Charlo's got mad when uh, Steven Espinosa said they could lose this fight. And they were like, no, we can't. Why would he say something like that? To hype the fight up, stupid. Like, calm down. Like, it, the best part is if somebody says this is a tough fight and then you make it look easy, that's what you want. You don't want Steven Espinosa saying, these are going to be two blowouts. I got fights to sell, dog. <laughs> like, I can't sell fights and say, don't watch this because it'll last two rounds. No. But Charlo looked, Jamal looked really good against Derevchenko. I would love to see Derevchenko drop down to 54 if he can. He's too small for middleweight. He would yeah. be a problem at 54. Like, he's a midget. But that fight showed me a lot. And clearly... There are some options for Charlo if they if they can figure this out. Because the one thing about 60 is that PBC doesn't have a great lock on 60. No. The, the fight play ball at 60. Yeah. Demetrius Andrade is a fight that I would like to see. It might not be the most uh, aesthetically pleasing fight to watch, but it's a good fight. Billy Joe Saunders at 60 is a fight that I would like to see. Yeah. Um, there he are, beats the brakes off of Billy Joe Saunders. Why isn't Saunders in... Andrade fighting each other like, uh, because Billy Joe was waiting for Canelo and nobody knows what's up with uh, Demetrius Andre like nobody knows so he's it looks like Andre is going to be fighting in November or October but the Saunders fight that was supposed to happen the first time and then Saunders just got popped for drugs um, for yeah, performance enhancing drugs and then you know the suspension over the dumb comments that he made and it just all got all messed up but i don't know i'll be honest with you i don't know if, if charlo beats the brakes off of saunders i think that's a really good fight i think charlo i think saunders can take that ass whooping but i don't think i don't think he threatens charlo at all i think he's so he's crafty enough to give charlo some problems and this is what i this is the thing about charlo that i was going to say is that when he's poised and patient I think he can beat just about anybody. But then when he takes a few risks, which are great. I like to see fighters take risks. But then he kind of goes into this dangerous territory where he allowed Derby and Chaco to get back into the fight. 
And you can't do that with everybody. So, but I still like the perform. I love the performance because it gave us some drama. He didn't just stand outside. He did take a chance. So there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but at 60, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to where he goes from here. I'm intrigued if they play ball. Like, you want to get those other titles. Go get them. Go get them, Lions only. Go get them. <laughs> the Lions only. Yo, listen, people are behind the movement. Hey. I saw that shit everywhere on social media. Okay, and then we go to the main event. Jamel goes into the main event. Rosario. We've seen Rosario look really good. Pull off the upset before. He had the majority of the titles. I was like, okay, this is going to be a close fight. When, and early, I thought Jamel was doing several things wrong that might lead to him getting caught or having trouble. But when he turned it on, it was over with. Rosario, it looked like they were on two different levels in that ring. And then the body blow, straight right-hand body blow that ended it was nasty. So I was shocked, and it makes me think, is Jamel better than I've thought? Mm, I don't know. This is a tough one. So, the, again, two sides of this. 54 is an interesting division. Now, if anybody listened, I was on Mannix's podcast with Dan Raphael, and we kind of did this back and forth about it wasn't a whole lot of back and forth because I didn't want to take over uh, Mannix's show. But, Dan, I called the Rosario fight a trap fight for Jamel Charlo. And Dan was like, well, how can you call it a trap fight because it's unifying titles? And I didn't get a chance to explain because Mannix jumped in. But here's why it was a trap fight. Nobody knows who uh, Jason Rosario is. Jason Rosario, although he beat J-Rock, nobody knew who he was. The casual box fan does not have a clue. Derevi and Chenko got more credit for losing the Triple G than Rosario got for beating J-Rock. So in this fight, People thought Charles should win. I'm tuning into a Charlo. Like I had people hit me and was like, "Is this gonna be like two washes?" And I was like, "No, they're really good fights." But Charlo already having a loss on his record. If he lost again, it would. I don't want to say he's completely over, but it would have been kind of over for him. Whereas Jamal, if he would have lost, it would have been like, "Well, it's his first loss. He fought a tough guy." Blah blah blah. Yeah. This fight with Jamel was. A trap fight because Rosario is a guy who got beat by Nathaniel Gallimore, who I saw him get knocked out at Samstown here in Vegas. But this is his first fight. He had a full well, this is his second fight. J Rock was the first fight. We had a full training camp. He was taking fights on short notice. He hits hard, he's dangerous, but he's virtually unknown. That's my definition of a trap fight. Because you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. You're supposed to win, and if you don't, everybody writes you off. It's kind of what happened to J Rock. And he went out there. He took a lot of chances early. He was throwing really wide punches. And then he was getting outworked in the mid, like the first, second through fourth. Rosario looked really good. And I was like, oh, this isn't good. And then Charles started sitting down on his punches. And then I don't know where the hell that body shot came from. He threw the jab up high. And then the other jab went into the stomach. But it hit the elbows first. And it just completely, it must have just pushed the button, the deactivate button. Because Rosario was like, oh. And just fell down, and like the spirit left his soul, and it's, he started shaking and shit. And I'm like, well, I need to find that button because I'm gonna whoop a lot of people's ass if I can do that. But I still think Jamal's the better fighter because Jamal is more disciplined when it comes to shooting the jab, working the angles. Like he'll take chances, but I think he establishes himself first. Where Jamel just went, went out there and was like, I'm trying to get a knockout, and it could have cost him, but it was a great performance. He looked great. He's unified titles. Now, like, I'm interested. I'm intrigued. Both these guys, I was one of those people that said, 
I'm not sure about the Charlotte brothers. Not that they're bad. I just don't know if they're as good as people are trying to make them be because I haven't really seen them get tested. They both were in there tough. They both passed with flying colors. They're there. They're there now. I agree. I, I don't know. When you say they're there now, I don't know if they are pay-per-view draws. No, 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 no. Pay-per-view draws, that's a completely different story. <laughs> that has nothing to do with yeah, fighting. Like, as, as, as fighters, I get it. I agree. But now all-encompassing, because this was a pay-per-view. We'll see what the numbers say when it comes out. Brick. But when you say they are there... Talent-wise. I don't know. Sooner or later, that has to translate to dollars, right? I mean, look, man. It's the first pay-per-view. Now it's up to the opponents. Who do they match them with? Because now they've done their first. They got the, the you know they popped their cherry. They did their first pay per view. They won tough fights. Now it's a matter of who you match them up with. Because then yeah, they, I mean Jermel can go to be undisputed, or he can fight Laura. Oof. Yeah, and he, that's not pay per view. No, I mean that's the problem. Like Javante Davis, we'll see how his fight with Leo Santa Cruz goes. But Javante is in a position where there are other fighters who can make a pay per view sell. Oh, yeah. Jamel's not in that spot. 54 is not a division that has a bunch of talent where you go, oh, unless Errol was to go up there, there's really nobody there at 54 in terms of name recognition. And tough sell to have him fight Errol. Exactly. Jamal, on the other hand, at 60, not saying that Andre fights a pay-per-view, not necessarily even saying Saunders, but Jamal can put himself in a position to say, I want Canelo. And that's a marketable fight. They could sell the hell out of that fight. But... It's all. It's up to the opponents. Like who out there is gonna move the needle? Because they can't. They're not like even Floyd Mayweather. He fought Andre Berto. Nobody gave a shit. But at least it sold something. I don't even know if Jamal can do that on his own to sell fights. Pay per views. This is what I want to be clear about. Pay per view fights should be events. Pay per view fights are the things that you order where you have a bunch of people come over who don't know shit about what they're watching, argue about a fight. That's what an event is. Boxing is something that you and your hardcore friends sit around and talk about like we do on this podcast and really break down the nuts and bolts about boxing. But pay-per-views are events. Pay-per-views are things that you go, you know what, I'm going to go to the bar and watch this fight with a bunch of people who don't know shit, get drunk, and just yell at each other. (laughs) I don't know if the Charlos are event-worthy yet. They're boxing-worthy. They're not event-worthy. No, that's perfectly said. I, I don't know how they get there then. Jamal easier. Jamal was to fight Charlo, be huge. Canelo? I mean, excuse me, Canelo. Yeah. Jamal was to fight Canelo, huge. Then that's, oh, okay, I see. Even Triple G. Him, Triple G, if you can make stuff work, make the dollars work, make it make sense. Huge fight, huge pay-per-view. That would make sense. I don't see that path for Jamal at 154. No, nah, it's hard. It's it's difficult. There's not a lot of people yeah. there. And they got to fight together to justify a pay-per-view. At this point, I don't know how you split them up again. Because you kind of got to give both to justify that price tag. So we'll see how it goes for them moving forward. It was a good week in boxing, though. Now we get kind of a calm before the storm. And then we start building up. We'll start building towards Teofimo versus Lomachenko. And then we have Tanks pay-per-view versus Leo Santa Cruz. And then we roll into Halloween, which you guys have. I forgot what fight you guys have on Halloween, but it's a good one. Um, we have NY on Halloween. It's fucking packed day from every promotion. Then we roll into November, which is huge. So, man, a lot of boxing to talk going forward. 
as a treat to everyone listening, I think this might be the last time this week we have two shows during the week. I think after this, it's almost time to move to three. So you guys might be hearing a lot more from us. A little more palatable, so maybe an hour show. But three hour shows seem the way to go going forward, which is cool because it gives us more current events to talk about, more hip-hop, so on and so forth. So it's a little treat for you guys moving forward. Until then, though, we thank you guys for listening to these long-ass shows and us breaking down all the sports together because it is fun. It's great to get back into the groove of things. Shout-out to the network, Blue Wire, for always supporting us. Shout-out to the sponsors, as always. If you guys want to follow us on social media, follow the show at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, Corner Club for Life on Instagram, me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale on every platform there is. It was a great day. Now it's time for me to go have another White Claw, chill with the wife. Dre, enjoy the new crib. Everyone out there, stay safe, stay Rona-free. Make sure you get out there and vote. If you listen to our last show, you know the importance of that. I think that's it, man. It's one hell of a show. Till next time, we're out. Peace.